reading, you have identified a new trend. You reckon Melbourne, the coffee city for years, is now looking like a bread city with a growing number of specialist bakers. The COVID lockdowns also seem to have seen an increase in the number of people making bread at home too. But where does bread begin? Well, Rita talks with Joe Carboni, who has started a business milling grain for bakers, most of them home bakers. I'm sitting here surrounded by flour. It's an interesting thing in Melbourne. Melbourne's known as a coffee city, but I think it's becoming known as a bread city as well. I'm not talking about croissant. Those are a different animal entirely. I'm talking about bread. There were lots and lots of people who got sourdough starters going during COVID lockdown. I wonder how many of those are still around. The the peoples are certainly, but not the sourdough starters, I don't think. Um, But I'm talking about small commercial bakers, artisan bakers, and they're dotted around Melbourne doing amazing bread, absolutely amazing bread. But where does bread start? Bread starts with flour. Joe Carbone runs Viva Flour in suburban Melbourne, in the Inner East. And here's a confession, a statement of self-interest, if you like. This is where I buy my bread flour. This is where I buy rye flour, and it's freshly ground. Joe, how did you get into all of this? Well, I, I was fascinated, and thank you, Rita, for the opportunity to, to have a chat. I was fascinated during COVID at the the rise and in interest in bread baking, where people found suddenly found themselves with more time at home and an ambition to follow and something to do that was of interest and quite historic, bread, bread baking and bread making and the role of wheat in our lives has been um, existent forever and a day. Uh, and my interest was stirred up by the ingredient of flour itself and the fact that households, since uh, flour became industrialised in its production and mass-produced, households haven't really had the old-world access they used to have to freshly stone-ground flour or stone-milled flour. And what difference was that making? And uh, my reading in the area and, and knowing that people were more interested in, in flour and bread baking in general and cake baking for that matter was to understand is there a difference between mass-produced flour and freshly milled flour and of course uh, to my delight there is a huge difference and it, it is one at the level of nutrition it is one at the level of taste and on the nutritional side, you know, the bare facts of, of science say that um, freshly milled flour, as it comes off the mill, is totally alive. Hence the name flour viva, viva meaning flour that is alive. It has twice the all the elements of vitamin B and niacin. It has three times the level of iron and four times the potassium embodied. And whilst the flour is young and only hours old and up to two or three weeks, when you use flour that's straight from the mill and hasn't been sifted, hasn't been bleached, uh, it's it's whole flour, so with its bran and wheat germ intact, it is a superfood. And that bran and the wheat germ oxidise 
Um, no, I, over the years, I've had too much wholemeal flour in the cupboard. I've taken it out, sniffed it in the way you sniff milk, or yes. I sniff milk, and I've thought, that's gone rancid. Exactly right, Rita. And, and that's the reason why in industrial production of flour, the best bits of the wheat are, t- are removed so because they offer no shelf life. So the bran and wheat germ have uh, for over 150 years been extracted. So one interesting story uh, during World War II that was evident in some of the food science research around flour and its um, uh, impact was that by taking the wheat germ and the bran out, you're only using 78 to 80% of the weight of the wheat. So 20% is, is being discarded. Some companies that say they sell whole flour or whole whole meal flour are legally allowed to reintroduce some of it but it's already been fixed somewhat and stabilized through whatever processes i'm not sure so there is no real whole flour unless you mill it yourself or have it milled in front of you and kept intact and during the war because of a severe shortage of uh, of food supply the government in one of the Scandinavian countries of Europe had decreed that 100 kilos of wheat should make 100 kilos of flour. And in that time, and this was over a period of 12 years, medical practitioners were no longer seeing the rise of asthma or gut problems, uh, respiratory conditions, eczema on the skin. So the the causal effect was one of interest because we were reintroducing whole flour and not just eating the what I call the dead dust, which is basically the starch that's yes. left over well, that the, you buy at the, the supermarket. That, that's actually a bit sad because it means most of the population is kind of deprived and that that's actually a worry in health terms. Yes, and that was a motivating driver for... Market testing whether uh, flour milling as a service for the domestic market for our households is a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a thing. It's a thing here, and there's another person doing this, at least one other, whom I will also interview. But it does raise quite important implications for the way we eat. I think it's also why we have niacin added to to flour, so which replaces and stabilizes what's lost. Exactly right. And the, the, that stabilization, uh, we still don't understand the uh, the effects of bleaching flour to make it white when you, when you uh, milk. Little oh. grains. It's, it's well, a light golden colour. It's not white. Well, so. That's right, which is why French bread is light gold. Yes. It, I've always been struck buying good baguette in uh-huh. France. They're not white. No. They're, no. <laughs> they're not beige either, but they're off-white. And it's, a kind of, it's a, like a very, very pale gold, like the colour of Chablis or something, yes. something like that. And an interesting story about why, what caused or what led the world to go to white-looking flour. It was rather elitist, really. Because yes, it was. White flour was for the rich. Whereas the ordinary flour, which wasn't white or golden or light brown, yeah. was uh, for those that didn't have the means. So, um, but the health 
impacts on those that were poorer and uh, didn't eat the white bread were, uh, are very well documented. They were, they were much stronger, healthier, well, lived longer. They did. They, <laughs> did a, they did a lot more exercise too. Uh, oh, yes, been, obviously, a lot of other contributing factors. But, but it's but, interesting. If you go back through old English literature, for instance, and you read Chaucer, Yes. Then you come across references to, I think it's wastrel bread, which is, and there's something called manchet, which is white bread. Yes. And white is the, um, I think it's the nun's tail, and she's eating very, very white bread, which is an indication of how very refined and rich she is. Yes. No, not a, not a, a doubt about that. In terms of the, discrimination that, that yeah. happened. But nevertheless, the industrialised flour can only be made to last this long uh, yeah. in its um, most refined format. That's and then right. it, it, it has added uh, boosters and enhancers to make it perform. So flour in general, anywhere you buy it, will perform, will bake, will, yeah, will, will do what it needs to do. But it, it, it doesn't render the bread that, that say, you were baking bread, wouldn't it be far better to have the bread as the hero on the plate <clears throat> rather than an accompaniment? And it struck me that when I was reading a, a little bit, um, that there's a Canadian in Canada uh, having a mill at home, a little stone mill, uh, either the little German or Austrian mills that we use here ourselves on a bigger scale, uh, is very common. Uh, it's just like grinding your coffee, you're also grinding your wheat grains. And Canada is very famous for having superb wheat grains. Uh, and a, a food scientist there by the name of Sue Becker ha has written a book called The uh, the Essential Homeground Flour Book, which offers, uh, uh, alongside a lot of recipes, also uh, explains the properties and, and it educates on the nutritional value and the benefits of whole flour versus... Uh, well, everyone's been talking about the benefits of whole foods for as long as long as I can remember, um, and people still use the phrase, our oh, best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Which wasn't a great thing at all, unless you have arthritis and have trouble slicing loaves. That's, well, yes. And that's, 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 that's a thing too. Where does your flour come from? That's okay. the other thing. Because I know there's lots and lots of wheat grown in Australia. Yes. Um, yes. What, what sorts of wheat are grown in Australia? No, fantastic. Well, well, when we set up Flour Viva, we wanted to principally only use organically grown uh, wheat varieties and there are plenty of those in Australia thankfully and not far from home so we wanted wheat that didn't have to travel too far in in the main uh, and if other regions had the best wheat we would also chase mm. those up so we we um, are currently sourcing from three farm areas. Uh, our main uh, five grains that we bring in to produce uh, a hard wheat flour which is uh, the go-to uh, wheat and flour for bread baking or spelt, the ancient grain. We have uh, triticale, which is a, a grain that is a hybrid between a rye and a hard wheat. And we also have a, um, a barley flour, uh, a barley grain that, that's coming from the Woodstock farm uh, based in uh, Berrigan in the southern Riverina. So pretty close to the, the southern end of New South Wales and the north uh, northeast region of Victoria. And 
they uh, the Woodstock farm and Peter Kane is the head farmer and it's a pleasure dealing or, or speaking with the farmer who runs the operation. So we have our five main grains coming from that area of Australia and we also source biodynamically farmed grains, which are those level of organic grains mm. that are grown in conditions that are more old world in terms yeah. of farming. So the tilling of the soil and the <clears throat> revitalization of the soil is done with on-farm organics. Uh, so no no sprays or chemicals or fertilizer anywhere other than what is in nature itself. And in biodynamic farming, not even the neighbouring farms can have overspraying of chemicals. That's right, because of the possibility of contamination. You're listening to Rita Ehrlich in conversation with Melbourne specialty flour miller Joe Carboni on Travel Writers Radio. I wonder what's going to happen to all the farming areas, all the wheat-growing areas now, this year, because of floods. Absolutely, and I think in the areas that we're talking about, certainly in the Southern Riverina, uh, the biodynamic grains we get are both from the Wimmera, uh, just north in the North Grampians, north of mm-hmm. Washington in, in that area. I think they have may have been spared slightly from the river rises, but... Murrayville is the other area we, we source our grains from Burham, uh, the Burham farms of biodynamic mm. growers, and Murrayville is northwest Victoria. Uh, again, I'm not sure, I haven't been in contact with the no. farms, but I know that Woodstock is affected. And, yeah, it would be, and I came across Woodstock um, a couple of years ago because one of my sons gave me an assortment of Woodstock flowers oh, for Mother's Day. Oh, saying, lovely uh, gift. <laughs> uh, saying other, other mothers get flowers, yeah. as in F-L-O-W-E. <laughs> you would prefer flowers for baking. Um, and that's where I first heard of Woodstock. And then when we were up in Rutherglen earlier this year, I realised that the Woodstock mill was just nearby. Nearby, yes. And, and isn't it a great thing to be able to source straight from a large mill, uncontaminated, oh, that's un- right. Well, there's, a, there's a very good... Um, and there are a couple of very good bakers in Rutherglen, and one um, one outfit that bakes for their store in Rutherglen, and they have one in Albury as well, right. which isn't that far away. Mm-hmm. I need to talk people talk to me about all your sourdough starters and what's happened to them. Sourdough starters are an awful lot of work. I've had one going for, I suppose, eight, nine years and if we go away, a friend comes in to feed the cat and the sourdough starter. And I was telling you earlier of a wonderful story about a fabulous baker in uh, Western Australia, in Perth, who was baking bread domestically and had a sourdough starter. And one year he and his wife were going away for a few weeks. They were heading down south from Perth to Margaret River and they took the sourdough starter with them and a bag of flour because, as he said to me, it, I didn't want to leave it with my mother-in-law because if she'd spoiled it, I would never have forgiven her. <laughs> and he said, you know, this is many years ago, he said, when we got to Margaret River, the bread was vile, so we ended up baking our own bread <laughs> while we were on holiday. There was a woman in Melbourne, a baker in Gertrude Street many years ago, and they used to mill their flour daily. Oh, fabulous. 
Uh, the bread was terrific, really mm. terrific. At the time, I didn't know nearly enough, and I just thought it was a, an affectation. But for bakers, it's not. It's a, th- it's a real thing. Yeah, so the whole flour baking is an art form in itself because the hydration is very, from what I understand. Oh, it, it handles differently. Yes. when. When I'm making bread, as I do once or twice a week, and I use a mixture of white flour, rye sourdough starter, and some wholemeal, occasionally some spelt as well. And each of those, and there aren't any set quantities, so every loaf's kind of different. But the thing I've learned is that the weather affects hydration, and so does the flour. Mm. The um, wholemeal flour needs different water and different handling. Rye flour is sticky. Yes. So you have to knead it very differently. And I use a machine now to knead. This was my concession to myself. I thought yeah. I'm not, kneading, kneading everything by hand is really, really hard work. Yes, yes. And every restaurant I visited that made their own bread was using a machine to do the kneading oh, yes. and finishing it by hand. As commercial bakers do. Yes, that's right. And so I thought, no, then, then that's okay. The heavy, the heavy work <laughs> needs the, to the be done. The heavy lifting's been done. <laughs> yes. But that, it's that final, those final three, four minutes of handling it where you know from the feel of it what the bread's going to be yes, like. Yes, yes. And you're quite right. When I've played around with our dough, make, attempting to make ciabatta and uh, focaccia and uh, a whole range of bases, the feel, I can't compare it because I, I'm not a baker, but the feel is quite extraordinary yeah. and, and quite sticky. But there are, you grow in confidence by, I, I find, Rita, that you simply wet your ha- hands a little bit. You can, um, uh, you get on the underside of the uh, of the dough and pull it across itself. And, that's and right. You do stretching. That's you, right. I don't know if that's cheetahs stretching. No, but no, I, no, I, no. I think that's about right. And it's, you're stretching yourself as well. Yes. So I've yes. always thought that if you make your own pizza dough, for instance, that's quite hard work if you're kneading it. So that that offsets. Yes. Uh, the eating of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have many customers who obviously when they come in, they have their own stories about sourdough as well and uh, they've been trying different grains and rye particularly, as you might already have experienced, Rita, is, uh, flourishes so nicely at the beginning of uh, creating the sourdough. I think that's because rye ferments very differently. Mm. And I know that from historical reading and records, rye is used to be the flower to watch out for because it attracted a particular mould that was really dangerous. So rye, I think, has to be grown and stored and milled quite carefully. Yes, yes. There was... At the end of the Second World War in France, there was an outbreak of something nobody's heard of since, which is a disease called Sylvitis dance. Mm. And it was tracked, the cause of it was tracked back to mouldy rye flour. Right. Because the man who sourced it, this was the end of the war, there was no flour. There was no anything. He came across flour that he didn't like the look of. He said, didn't smell right, but it was all I could get. Yes. 
How remarkable. We forget it's a living, breathing organism. That's right. Uh, you know, my reading would suggest that the flower has 40 of the 44 nutrients that sustain human life. So there's no reason why it can't be the hero on the plate, but, but, for but, example. But that also <laughs> explains its, its kind of metaphorical importance. Mm. And a jug of wine, a loaf of bread and thou. Yes. Um, the the wine provides kind of more interest than just the bread. <laughs> yes, yes. bit of cheese and a bit of fruit. Oh, that's 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 that. that's that. But it is, um, it was a staple. Yes. For so many people for so long. Yes. And really, its consumption is, is, is very large. Uh, the, the thing that was worrying me was the consumption of white bread because of the, the known issues with purely white bread. Mm. It's highly processed. And, no, uh, the, there, are now, there are now breeds of flour and there are proper additives to, to give white flour more. I think CSR had a project to create a high-fibre white flour. Yes. Which has been really useful for so many people. It would be so helpful, really. Uh, who, who buys flour here? <laughs> who buys flour here? Very keen home bakers. Um, so we have um, bread bakers, cake bakers, biscuit bakers, all based at home. I don't, we don't um, sell to other businesses as such, although we can take inquiries for amounts for small bakeries that mm. might want to do some internal baking. But our customer, interestingly enough, a lot of them are young men in, you know, about 19 to 22 years of age who've taken baking. That took me by surprise. And they come and they are, um, how would you say, turned on when they walk through our little studio of grains and, and see a mill in operation, a, a, a small-scale mill. And they're fascinated. And you see, they're quite excited. And they obviously have families that where they've learnt to cook and bake. Uh, so we have a large variety. But the interesting thing for me is those bakers at home who want who, who are brave enough to experiment and create their own bespoke flour. And you can do that uh, when you have a series of grains and you mix a few of the grains together. So I have one gentleman who has 75% of a hard wheat, which we use Spitfire for, and he mixes it with 25% of a spelt grain because he wants the, the nuttiness to come out in his bread baking. And so, you know, the concoctions are, are infinitive as this to is, what you can do. This is like blending um, coffee. Oh, or regional right. coffee or, or, or so. cocoa yeah. beans yeah. because every every region has its own particular flavour. Yes. So you yes. put the flavours together to get what you want and the same thing with flour. Yes, yes. No, absolutely right. And, and obviously I, I enjoy the fact that I'm, I'm given the occasional recipe, <laughs> which, which I do use in, in a little bit of the showcase baking we do. It's mainly in... in um, Cakes and biscuits and oh, so, so on. that people who come drop in for coffee can they, also have yes, cake. because we have a coffee service here, and whilst they're waiting for their grains to be milled, if they're happy to do that, um, they they enjoy some samples here in the in the Flower Viva store. But uh, Rita will be uh, will be moving Flower Viva as a flour milling service to um, online access, so that we can have it. it 
more appropriately and better delivered to a, a broader community than oh, just how, here at Q-Rest. Oh, how, how useful. Yes, um, so it, it will be a service that you can yeah, I know there's someone in, uh, a firm in Queensland that does online flower uh, sales, but they source their flower from overseas. You can buy German rye. Or French, French, yes. French flour, yes. because French flour is milled quite differently, and it's sold differently according to, I think, the protein content. Yes. So French flour is forty-five, fifty-five, or sixty-five. Right. And I'm still working out exactly what that refers <laughs> to. The number. But forty-five yes. is really soft flour for cakes. Yes. Yes. And and so we have in Australia beautiful varieties of soft grains and one that we particularly use is Rosella from the Woodstock Farm, which is a soft wheat grain. And it's such a golden soft flour to mill. You can almost see the cake, you know, transforming <laughs> as you're milling. As, as you're uh, milling. And, and we mix, I mix um, Rosella with spelt and, and create muffins that have uh, a a and texture that's a bit different, a nuttiness, uh, and, and the, in combination they work brilliantly well. Joe, this has been wonderful. Yeah. Um, we're all going to go home now and start baking <laughs> bread. Thank you so much for no, sharing with us. It's been a delight. That was Melbourne flour miller Joe Carboni speaking with our Rita Ehrlich. For more information, www.flourviva, one word, .com.au This is the Travel Rider Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.